0: Welcome to Twinning It, the podcast that delves into the nitty-gritty of parenting twins. I'm Alison Perry, author of OMG It's Twins and mum of preschooler girl twins. And I'm Jenna Good, journalist and mum of toddler boy girl twins. We know what a challenge it can be to raise twins, so join us as we speak to experts and other twin mums to get answers to all of those burning questions. Welcome back to Twinning It. Today, we are excited to be speaking with Shakira Akabusi, who is a mum of four, including one set of twins. She's also the incredible force behind the Strong Like Mum method book.
1: Yes. And as well as um, seeing Shakira lots on ITVs this morning at the moment, you might also recognise her name from her famous dad, who's Olympian Chris Akabusi. So clearly, keeping fit runs in the family. Welcome to the podcast, Shakira. It's so great to have you here.
2: Hello, thank you for having me on.
0: Hi, Shakira. We like we've just been saying we've been keen to have you on since episode one. You've been on our <laughs> hit list. Um, how are you doing today? And um, what's your morning been like so far? Has it been hectic?
2: Well, it has, because today we're recording this on the day of the storm, aren't we? So there was lots of like, is school going to be open? Is school not going to be open? And then actually, we've just come back from holiday. And so we're all a bit jet lagged. And last night, when Tom and I got into bed, we were like, should we set an alarm? No, I think we're over jet lag. I think I'll naturally wake up. (laughs) And then I was woken up this morning by my eldest. He was like, "Uh," like, Mama, I'm a bit um, worried. I said, why are you worried? Um, I'm worried I'm late for school because it's almost eight o'clock.
1: <laughs> and oh, we were
2: still there. No. I was like, oh, no. So we were like quickly rushing, rushing, rushing. Didn't even think about the storm. We were like, just get in the car. Don't mind the wind. Just get in there, kids. Blustering about. We were like
1: that as well. Like where we are is like in the eye of the storm. and But, you know, we, we got those kids to nursery. <laughs> it's a priority. Yeah, it was a bit blustery. The school sent a text and
2: said, would you like to you know if you'd like to pick your children up early then you know at your own discretion i was like no no they'll be fine yeah you are all good they're Thanks. all good <laughs> see you later
1: <laughs> oh i bet they're having more fun there anyway um yeah. now, shakira we had our twins um around the same time i think and we both got boy girl twins um my twins were like the first born children that i'd had but you had already had two children beforehand how was it for you having twins after having two children already
2: you know what? I actually think it was probably more manageable than having twins first off mm. um I have I have a few friends who had twins the first time and for me because lots of people ask me how do you manage with four for me number one was without a shadow of a doubt the trickiest one it was really overwhelming I found it stressful my anxiety went through the roof and actually now that I have four I've relaxed into the chaos. Um, (laughs) But now, you know, I don't know, for me, twins was time consuming because there's two, but actually I found it so much easier, so much more enjoyable and relaxing than I did the first one. So I can't imagine having twins first time and how that must have been for you, Mm. you know, like when they're ill or something. I found that really stressful with Rio, my eldest if there's twins I just I don't know how you would do that
1: yeah it is quite like a baptism of a fire it is quite overwhelming but um yeah J- Jenna's really
0: uh, pleased to hear you say that Shakira yes. because we have spoken about this haven't we Jenna like, yeah. what's harder dealing with twins when you already have children to deal with or twins being your first experience of motherhood
1: and Shakira's just called it she knows <laughs> you're the authority yeah, exactly <laughs> Yeah, and we both had our twins in COVID, obviously as well. So um, yeah, was,
0: yeah. What was that like for you, Shakira? Because uh, did you were we in lockdown when you when you had your twins? Yes,
2: yeah, so we were in. You know, right in that lockdown period where they mentioned pregnant women are suddenly, you know, in the special population that needed to be really careful. Um, and of course, there was stress around that. I, I was had really high levels of stress at certain points during the pandemic and then I felt calmer at other points I think for me what was a really challenging time and will always be in my memory as a challenging time was the birth and the days or weeks afterwards because the postnatal care was not um what I really needed at that time Mm. and I know that everyone was really overworked and you know so I'm not trying to say the NHS is fantastic but the experience I had wasn't the most positive and I remember, I remember like, I, so I had a cesarean with my twins and I was given really high levels of morphine and I was like in and out of consciousness for a long period, long periods of time. And my husband wasn't there. So I don't know who was like helping with my babies. If what ha- I don't know what happened in that period of time, but I was, there were large periods of time where I wasn't really conscious. That's terrifying mm. It's That's terrifying. terrifying. And then I remember I, I gave birth and then. Tom wasn't able to stay very long. He was able to be at the birth. So it was later on during the pandemic where you were allowed a birth partner. So that was a blessing. He was there. Then he went home and he was allowed, I was allowed one visitor two hours a day and that was it. And the rest of the day I was on my own. And obviously there wasn't much staff. And I remember...
0: And having had a cesarean as well. Like mm, quite often Having had a
2: cesarean. you
0: can't You can't just like jump out of bed and deal with your babies. It's, well,
2: so this was the point. So I remember first day that I had them I had the twins at 12 o'clock in the afternoon then that evening I just had the cesarean so still within 24 hours the babies woke up crying I got up and I sat myself in the chair and I picked up one twin and then I couldn't reach the other twin so I rang the buzzer for the midwife and she came and I said oh sorry can you pick up the other twin and pass it to me and she was like are you even trying? Oh and I just God. remember being like I was just like crying and crying and crying because so I was like I am really trying but you know and it just I felt so weak I felt broken I, was like, I, don't, I, I don't know like am I meant to be able to do more um and then later on that evening I went to the toilet to change and I still had all that postnatal lockia all that heavy bleeding so I was trying to change my underwear in the toilet those like big padded underwears and I couldn't I couldn't lift my leg to put my underwear on. Hmm. And so I just sat, stood there and cried because I was too scared to ring the buzzer. Cause I was like, I don't want to call Gosh, someone and be like, can you help me put my underwear on? So there was a lot during that time that I really struggled with, but then on the other side of that, what, what was a real blessing was that my husband was furloughed. So he was home. So in that whole first year, when you're waking up at night and you know, he did eventually go back to work in a weird virtual way, but still I had, additional support that i know many cesarean mothers or many mothers in general don't have so that was then an incredible blessing so you know i think as always with pregnancy and postpartum there are so many ups and downs and you just certain things are going to be difficult and certain things are going to flow a little bit easier
1: yeah yeah i think my experience was actually quite similar in a, in a lot of ways i had a c section as well um and because of the pandemic i only stayed in hospital for like maybe one or two days afterwards thinking oh it'll be easier when I get home and obviously it wasn't because then my husband had to look mm-hmm. after the twins and me because you know I couldn't really move much and um yeah, yeah it was a really difficult time and uh, breastfeeding was difficult um and there just wasn't the follow-up care or help with with that the resources weren't there during covid so I sort of feel like I might have been able to have done better um had there been more help but it just you know it's just one of those things and but you know he was um, able to work from home for many months um so that was obviously amazing (laughs) Um, yeah 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 yeah. it swings and roundabouts isn't it but yeah it was definitely a a strange time to be having twins
0: I feel really emotional listening to you guys talking about this I was like welling up because I really feel like I know what it was like to have twins and to have a c-section like you guys did and the recovery and getting your head around having two small babies and trying to care for them and I did it in normal times I did it pre-covid and so I cannot even get my head around how difficult that must have been for you guys so you and anyone listening who had a similar twin experience during the lockdown take my hat off to you amazing
2: yeah do you know what i always wonder about and i don't know i know you both had cesareans i don't know if they're elective or emergency cesarean but i had trained cesarean mothers for many years before having my own cesarean i work with pre and postnatal women a lot and um i i honestly having then experienced the cesarean recovery myself a whole that was like a huge education because there there were certain things that you know, you can learn in a textbook, but you really didn't, I didn't get it till I'd experienced it. Um, that's not, sorry, that's not to take away from trainers who haven't had a caesarean who train those women, cause you're still more than capable, but. You guys do know what you're doing. No but, <laughs> no, but it just was, you know, that suddenly having that experience, there's a lot of empathy there. Yeah. But what was, what I kept thinking about and I always come back to is like an emergency caesarean and then the recovery you know that is something where I'm like how just that must come with so much emotional either emotional trauma or just there's a lot of work that needs to be done there because I struggled you know myself and it was elective but Shakira while all this was going on in the
1: background you were also writing a book your strong like mum method book how on earth did you
2: fit all that in are you like a (laughs) mega
1: mega fast typer
2: (laughs) no do you know what it was it was so easy for me to write that book in one sense because I I was I I, the the book was um, commissioned and then I basically wrote out all my chapters and then I just you know titles sorry I wrote out the titles of the chapters and once I had the titles then I it just came out my fingertips it was like you know almost like a stream of consciousness it was just like putting down everything I knew yeah and it just sounds like you're just so passionate about this subject
1: why why do you think you are so passionate about helping mums with fitness
2: so I can tell you that exactly I was um and I am so passionate about it I think it helps or helped when writing the book that I was living it yeah because there is also something about you don't forget that immediate postnatal time but again the empathy is 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 different and so at the time I was living it. So I really was like able to relate to what mothers would be feeling yeah. at that time. Um, but I remember when I first started, so I used to be in musical theatre and then I had an operation, went wrong. On my vocal cords, it went wrong. So I couldn't sing anymore. And I remember sitting with my mom and I said to her, look, I need to do something else. Does fitness actually work? Can I actually change someone's life? by helping them with their physical health, or is it just what you say so that you can get clients and earn money? She was like, no, 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 it actually works. You can really improve someone's mental well-being. You can help them, you know, all stress, everything. So I was like, okay, so I trained in it. And then when I was training as a personal trainer, I remember reading an article that said only 5% or 5.5% of fitness industry professionals are trained in pre and postnatal. That was then. Wow. Um, Yeah, and I remember thinking that's, failing on you know for women the fact that only 5% of people that train in fitness actually understand the female body and everything else that goes into it and I was you know just getting to the stage where eventually I was thinking okay you know I know I'm going to think thinking about fertility and conception and so then I trained in it and then I kind of learned as I went along Uh, you know those first few years I was training women then I conceived myself and I learned more and then with each pregnancy and postnatal journey I've learned more
0: it's amazing, like you know the the gifts, the information, the knowledge that you're sharing with women is just like you know. You ask your mum, will it change someone's life? Like, I hope now you can say a hundred percent, a million percent. It's you know, it's worth doing. Um, you you've talked a little bit about your um recovery from from having the C section with your twins, um what was the kind of journey from the recovery through to getting your fitness back like was it different with the twins compared to the
2: previous previous uh two births yeah hugely different hugely different the cesarean recovery i think there's so much that comes with that um because it's you know in in a way certain areas of your body almost go into like a shock because you know even if it's a planned cesarean you might you know emotionally be aware of that but actually on a physical level there's you know areas of your body that have never been open to the elements are suddenly all rummaged around and there's so much going on there then you also have the emotional connection to actually having an incision site and what that means and lots of women struggle even to connect with that area again um which actually strangely I didn't I always I remember that one of my strong like mum mornings this topic coming up and lots of women saying you know I, I can't even look at it I, I don't want to touch it I'm scared I don't know whereas for me i sleep still now when i go to bed i lie on my back and i put my hands directly over my cesarean scar like you know in a little one palm over the other and i find it really comforting because it was one of the moments where i've been my at my bravest i don't think that's correct english but you know i, I, think so. I was terrified of needles yeah i was terrified of needles and so i was i remember that moment as a time where i really was like powerful and courageous because that terrified me so for me i've always felt really positive about it um but there was that i also with my cesarean i experienced things i hadn't these connections that again many women may not be aware of and unfortunately you're not always told that and maybe even gps aren't you know aware of that um but but things like i had really bad jaw tension you're like locked jaw tension tight jaw and I know that the jaw is directly connected to the pelvic floor. And even though the, the incision site isn't, you know, at that sling of the pelvic floor underneath, it shares, there's, there's tendons and ligaments that are linked to your pelvic floor. And if that all goes into shock, or if it's experiencing trauma or inflammation, that has a real impact. So my jaw was so tight. So one of the first things I had to do was massage my jaw and learn to relax my face.
1: I feel because like I'm doing that time. now. Yeah, that makes yeah. so much sense. I, like, I, I would all oh. of a sudden just realise it,
2: you know, that, oh, and I was like, why is it hurting? And then I realised I was clenching my jaw. So there were so many other things that came with the caesarean recovery that before I hadn't experienced. Um, and, and, and my caesarean recovery, I remember saying to my husband, it was the first time that I felt alien in my own skin it, I felt completely detached from my body. There was me, and then there was my body. And it felt different. It moved different. Things that have always been easy to me were really difficult. And I'd never experienced that before. And I I found that really difficult. And, the, you know, again, initially I had to just sort of learn to reconnect with my body, which sounds really airy-fairy, but I had to just, yeah, l- learn to feel what my body felt like again. Because it wasn't the body that I was used yeah. to
1: how long was it until you felt comfortable
2: starting to do exercise again so i remember a midwife saying to me at four weeks she came to my house and you know checked the twins and then checked me and then she said i think you'll be fine going for a run and i was like really and like even and you know one of those things we hugely hear about nowadays is really advocating for yourself knowing your rights, right standing in your own power yeah. you know as a postnatal woman and even me who like i consider myself well informed on this subject I had a midwife saying to me oh maybe you can go for a run I was like maybe I should go for a run I got about 30 seconds down the road and I was like absolutely not it was so firstly uncomfortable but also there's no way my body there's no way my body was ready for that which I knew Um, so, so I went back but it took I always say I think with my cesarean it took me about a year until i felt i mean i was doing exercise within that year i think probably around three months i started doing some forms of exercise um and if uh, before that i did some pelvic floor work and some breathing but i started to sort of increase the intensity around that three month postpartum and then but it wasn't until about a year where i felt a little bit more confident in the movements that i was doing they felt suddenly i didn't feel difficult or achy or straining i could do it but then it really was until about probably six months ago, and my twins are now three, so about two, two and a half years, that I finally now am able to do everything that I was doing before. You know, it, like I'm now doing jujitsu and I'm running and I'm, you know, I can climb stuff and jump off stuff yeah. and everything's you know, and no incontinence there. So it's, it's taken uh, really two and a half years until I finally felt able to do that. But then I work with women who are 10 years postpartum, who didn't do that the work that they needed to be doing. And we go back to the beginning and I train them like they gave birth yesterday because actually they, you know.
0: And can you, even 10 years on, I'm asking for a friend here, obviously, nothing <laughs> to me and I've had this in my and my pelvic health. Can you, can you go from, you know, being in a shocking state to getting into a good place even years later?
2: Absolutely. Like it's, it's, it's never too late to start never you could be 80 years old and we can make a difference you know so um there's it's just I think there's just more once you if, if you've left it longer then we're not only looking at the initial um that initial time period we're also now looking at um or oh, sorry those initial those initial things that we might be dealing with with incontinence or pelvic floor weakness or whatever it might be but we're then suddenly looking at the the ripple effects of what has happened like what is your posture doing now maybe you've got back ache maybe mm. you have a dodgy knee you know all of that kind of thing and and you really have to sort of trace back so often it's the boring stuff you don't want to be doing it sounds so boring to be like we're going to work on how to take a breath and then everyone's like oh, what? i'll just <laughs> breathe in breathe out but you know, it makes a real difference it makes a real difference all those things you know shift those other puzzle pieces into place so it just means looking at a wider picture and what else is going on but absolutely possible well that's good to know
0: one of the most fascinating things that I've ever done is um I think it was not long after having my twins I think maybe they were about nine months old I went for I went to a, a women's health physio and had a pelvic health exam and so this physio like her hand was up there, she was like feeling my pelvic floor, she was like checking out the strength of it and all of that and it was like after having had babies and been for whatever many smear tests, it was all good like i was i was I was all right I was like, just do your thing, it's all good, but it was really helpful and like just getting exercises from her and finding out what's the situation down there like what what we're looking at, what we're dealing with you know I, I would definitely recommend yeah, it. they they do they grade you I didn't get a a grade, you know. If she had, I I probably would have been about a C minus, I
1: think. (laughs) No, but I thought that they did give you a kind of, like, level of how okay or not okay your pelvic floor function is. I didn't get that, no. If
2: you had a degree of prolapse or something, they would give you a degree to your prolapse or something. Oh, I see, yeah.
1: The the other... um, by the way, I also want to mention your Instagram page before I mention this, because it is just so good in how you illustrate all the exercises and, and how you oh, produce you. that content. It just makes it so clear and brilliant. So I would definitely um, suggest anyone listening to this go and take a look at that. Um, you've talked to a fair bit about, and I'm probably not going to say this right, diatesis recti? Is that? Yes, Have yes, I said that right? Oh, okay, yeah, diastasis. Diastasis. Well <laughs> done, Jenna. Well done. Gold cool star. <laughs> so can you just explain a bit kind of you know layman's terms what that is and and does it affect people with twin pregnancies more because i've often wondered if i might have that and i'm not really sure how to figure
2: that out so diastasis recti refers to the separation of your rectus abdominis during pregnancy so your abdominal layers you've got the rectus abdominis which is the six-pack muscle i hate that term but that is the muscle that we're looking at right at the front it has two halves and then down the middle there's like a fibrous sheath of body tissue and that's called the linear alba and then underneath that you've got other layers of your abdominals the deepest layer which is also important when we're talking about diastasis which wraps around the body almost like a corset so if you picture the rectus abdominis two Mm. vertical lines and then underneath that is the transverse abdominis which wraps around so when you are pregnant as you go through the third trimester and the uterus expands and the bump grows the two halves of that rectus abdominis are moved out to the side via that sheath in the middle. So the muscle doesn't tear or rip, but that sheath stretches wider and wider and wider. And then once you've given birth, it will come back together largely on its own. But for most women, and the statistic is something like 62%, but I don't think I've worked with someone who hasn't had it yet before in my entire career. So, often there's a gap that's left. Um, The general advice is that if that gap is two centimetres or less, then exercise can be used to rehabilitate that. Some women, a small number, might have a larger gap, four centimetres. or um, And in that case, you'd need to speak to your GP or a medical professional who would maybe recommend surgery or other medical interventions that could help you bring that closer together. What is really important with diastasis recti and saying you know you think you might have it as i said most women have it i still have diastasis recti ever since my first pregnancy it's never gone back together again i have like a one centimeter gap but what's more important than just do you have a gap is the width of the gap but also what's happening underneath so that muscle that i explained sort of like a corset that wraps around the transverse abdominus if that muscle is um if we can work on strengthening that muscle and that muscle is able to activate and create some tension during movement, then that can really help us to support the core when there's a gap in the front abdominal wall. Mm. So when I'm working with women, I'm more looking at the function of that muscle and how that's activating. And if we can create strength, a good activation there, then actually having a little gap doesn't matter. And as I said, I've still got that gap and I do all sorts of exercise.
1: Oh, okay. So, so if you have it, it doesn't matter. It's just you need to try and strengthen your core.
2: Yeah. And what, and what matters is that you do, I mean, it matters if you don't do that, because if you don't do the other core work, and you have a weak core in general, and then you have the gap, then often we can have something like an umbilical hernia, where some of the internal organs will actually pop out of that soft tissue, and you'll notice sort of a bulge. Um, so it is important that you are aware of that and Mm. being able to manage it in a way um but it's not the end of the world if you have diastasis recti the majority of women do
0: okay that's good to know Mm. good to know um now so many twins are born by c-section like as ours all were um now Shakira thinking back you you mentioned that you were advised at four four weeks postpartum that you could go for a run um and that you felt that that wasn't actually right for you Um, what is the official advice in terms of post-C-section and when you can start exercising? Um, And um, how should someone, if someone's listening who is pregnant and has a planned C-section, how should they approach fitness in that kind of postpartum period?
2: Okay. So um, there is no official strict advice. There are guidelines. And I wish there was stricter advice because it would be really useful for everyone. The thing with postnatal is that it's so individual Um, In my book, I had sort of like a list of green flags that can be good indicators that you might be ready to start exercising. I would also say that when we we're using that term exercise really loosely, pelvic floor work and breathing techniques, which I know sound boring, but they are the foundation of being able to enjoy future exercise without injury or other, you know, strains or issues so so
0: can i get my perfect floor exercises and then class that as a workout so we yes. do that every morning do it and, and then, then you're done
2: everyone i've done a daily workout okay cool you can totally <laughs> um and so that type of exercise we can do you can actually do as soon as you feel comfortable doing it that's the general guideline at the moment is as soon as you feel ready for some women um, whether you've had a caesarean or not, that might be within a few days, a few hours. For other women, that's going to be weeks down the line. I think, you know, I wasn't thinking about pelvic floor exercises or breathing techniques until certainly around four weeks postpartum. I was not, at all. I was in survival mode. Yeah. Um, but then in terms of other exercise, like firstly, I'd be looking at things like that postnatal lochia stopping. I'd be making sure that the caesarean scar has healed. And I'd be starting with some scar tissue massage so um firstly working on the, tongue, the the upper upper abdominal like tummy area nowhere near the scar and slowly getting lower down to the scar once the scar has healed moving on to the scar things that i had to, i remember having to learn to stand up again properly being able to stand up without there being too much strain on my cesarean scar all these little things and then generally the advice is three months postpartum once you get to 12 weeks postpartum might be 16 20 weeks might be that four or five month period for for some women that's when we can start to up the intensity of our exercise and we're still not like going to be running a marathon but it might be then that we can start doing things like step ups some um upper body exercise is always really good for engaging the deep core and the pelvic floor so i'd be starting with that kind of work body weight work um and i'd still be looking to reduce the intensity so you know Anything I wouldn't be going straight into a plank. If I wanted to get into any type of position like that, I would be putting my arms up onto the sofa and I'd be holding that sort of modified angle position. And then yeah, I would just build up from there. Maybe we're doing some step-ups, maybe we get move on to lunges, then eventually we can go to squats, although you might want to do assisted squats to begin with. It's really difficult to give specific advice because it is so unique and personal to each woman. But generally speaking, I would say. Breathing, pelvic floor work within the first few weeks, if you feel comfortable with that. Certainly by around 12 weeks postpartum, we can start to do that sort of exercise. And then anywhere from three months to five months, we can start mobilizing the body more. Step ups, walk it, walking, we can do um, actually, sorry, within that first three months. But then we can start with some lunges, some body weight exercises. And then maybe from the six month period onwards, we start to introduce some resistance band work. And then, like I said, it wasn't until two and a half years where I was suddenly like running and climbing and jumping and everything else that I do. Um, but it might be that maybe around a year or nine months, eight months that you feel like you can up the intensity, go do your gym workout or whatever. Um, that's so generally speaking, but that was kind of my timeline.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's really helpful. Um, and your message is very much about um you know, making sure if you can that your fitness doesn't fall away after becoming a mum. Why, why do you feel that, that you're so passionate about that?
2: For me it's not even so much about your fitness not falling away as a mum. I mean health and fitness is always really important and I think sometimes we feel like fitness and exercise has to be extracurricular whereas actually the human body was built to move and Any human instinct that we deny our body will cause a stress on the body and movement is the same. So if you're leading a really sedentary lifestyle, your body will become stressed in certain ways. So I feel like we need to just pay respect to the fact that our body does need to move and be active. But also uh, exercise for me wasn't even necessarily about getting in shape initially. That is obviously a great benefit. And there is also nothing wrong with having an aesthetic goal. Often if we feel positive and we've been productive in anything business or fitness we feel good about ourselves so having an aesthetic goal working towards that making small achievements great but actually exercise for me was like a stress relief and an anxiety relief and if I could go out for a jog for 20 minutes I come back and I feel like I can much more positively engage with motherhood than I could before when my kids were like mama 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 You know, And I will now, my children are now at an age, the twins are three, so they're still little, but they're now at an age where I literally, I will say to them, right, I'm feeling overwhelmed with the amount of questions that you are asking me. I need, I'm like, I need you to not ask me a question for 10 minutes. I don't want any question, you know? And I'm like, if you're gonna- I actually said this
1: yesterday to my three year old twins, almost that exact same thing. Yeah, I really did. It was just mum, 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 mummy, mummy, mummy. Oh. It's exhausting.
2: It wears you down, doesn't oh. it? Oh. Because the older two argue, yeah. argues. It's like, mama, mama. And I'm like, look. And then I, sometimes <laughs> I say to them, right, you're in that room. You're in that room. You two are there watching TV. No one talked to me for 10 minutes. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> the, <laughs> the exercise gives me the same thing. You know, I just can move. And also, mm. my kids, I don't know about anyone else, but it, it doesn't matter what the weather is. If they're stressed in the house. If I get them outside, they'll be so much happier. All the stress goes, yeah. you know, the attitude goes. Um, so there's so much more to it, you know, than just losing your fitness. Um, but also, we need fitness as mums, you know, gosh, we need energy, we need energy and yeah. endurance, you know, and strength and strength. You yeah, know, to exactly. be able to
1: pick up all the people and the children and the things exactly you need to be. strong. 100%. <laughs> That um,
0: Shakira, that really resonates with me. I can feel like my twins are five now and they're at school and I finally got a bit of time and space back and I could slash should be devoting some of that time to health and exercise and I really want to. And even though I want to move my body more and listening to you talking about how, you know, our bodies were made to move, um, I, I feel that, but I'm really struggling to work out what to do and when to do it. What works for me? Like my gym is too far to walk mm. to, especially on a rainy day like today. You know, if I do home workouts, I just give up halfway through. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no yeah. one's watching. I can just stop. No one's forcing me to do this. So I'm really struggling to work out what works for me. So what advice do you have? Because There must be so many people like me who want to exercise, really, really want to, but can't work out how yeah. and when
2: what what should I do fix me (laughs) do you know what okay I I am exactly the same I actually really don't like exercising at home I will do it in desperate times and I did it a lot when my children were younger especially in the summer months where we could be outside but I really it's like going to an office I'm not gonna focus if I'm in my living room I just can't I don't know I feel hot and, and it's just not the same right environment for me which is why I love the gym and I know lots of people don't like the gym for me, one of the things was community around fitness, whether that was an in, a, a, a group, an in-person group, which is why I love my jujitsu, because there's there's a social element and I love all of that. It could be just, um, it could be an online community or it could be any type of like chat uh, forum or group that I have with my friends, you know, like a WhatsApp group where we just share the exercise that we're doing and that motivates me to do it, connecting with good positive accounts on social media. All of that helps me to stay consistent. But also, firstly, huge is finding something you enjoy. Like it doesn't have to be going for a run or going to the gym. If that's not what you enjoy, you can dance, you can do whatever, you know, you can go outside and do an obstacle course, a course with your children. That all counts. Um, but then I would also say one of the most important things with fitness, if you're feeling demotivated, is having a goal and it has to be specific you know, um, oh gosh, what was that anagram they used to use in the fitness industry? I can't remember, there is like a specific time bound. Can't remember what it is. Everyone who's in the fitness industry is gonna be shouting at me right now what it is. But the (laughs) the point is, the point is that having a goal, if I don't have a goal and I'm just like, oh, I'm just gonna sort of like, you know, go to the gym. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have a plan. I'm not gonna stick to it. You know, if I don't write down the exercises I want to do, I waste so much time. And then again, I lose the momentum. If I write down, even if you're working at home, if I write down, right, these are the 10 exercises I'm going to do, I'm going to do them all for a minute and I'm going to do it twice. Then I'm going to do it and then I do it. Um, and it's the same with a goal. If you've got a goal that's like, I want to lose weight, it's not really specific enough. You, uh, to have a really good goal, it has, you, know, you have to have a time-bound thing like maybe, okay, I want to be able to run consistently without stopping for 10 minutes. And I want to be able to do that by Christmas. Then it's, you know, or by the summer. Then it's okay, which means that by next week, I want to be able to run for three minutes nonstop. And, you know, so being able to measure your progress as well, when we feel like we're progressing, it motivates us more. And seeing your progress, I I do jujitsu. And one of the things I love is that you get these little stripes on your belt. You don't get them that often, maybe every four or five months if you've been training hard. But to me, that's everything. To me, that was like huge and just spurred me on to carry on and do it more and every time it's just such a motivating thing to feel like I'm progressing and doing something so all of those little things I think can help I guess it doesn't feel like
1: exercise then does it because you feel like you're working towards something you're enjoying so yeah it's not and and you are still moving and it is exercise but it doesn't feel like you're purposely trying to do exercise yeah um now we have touched on this a bit but obviously twin parenting can be very full-on um what advice do you have for parents out there who might be struggling a bit with their mental health because of the overwhelmingness of looking after two little ones?
2: I would say I have I have been there. I have really been there. And Alison and I talked about that for Alison's book. Um, I had really severe OCD. And when I tell you I was an unrecognisable person, I was unrecognisable. I could not not, I don't think... 20 seconds would go by in a day without me having to complete some sort of OCD compulsion. It was constant, it controlled my whole life. Couldn't walk down the street properly. I looked, in inverted commas, crazy. You know, I looked like one of those people who was tapping, counting, turning around on the spot, walk over the crack 10 times, that was me. And, um, and I, sorry, I've now forgotten your, your actual initial question in all my waffling away about. what
1: advice you might have for people who might be struggling yeah with their sorry
2: health. so for me that was why exercise became such a huge part of my coping strategy because if you have something like stress or anxiety or depression the overwhelming crushing consistent thoughts that are going through your head at such a rate that are making you feel worse they are literally feeding the beast and it's like I couldn't, I, I couldn't get it out of my head. And the, one of the ways that I could was by going out and doing a run, because then it just allowed my body to change its perspective, and it created little bits of space. You know, it, it, sorry, again, to talk about Jitsu. and jujitsu, you, you, when you're sort of grappling with someone, often you can't just get out of a situation. You, you make little bits of space, and then eventually you can get in a little elbow that's going to create more space, and then eventually you escape the situation. And that's really what it was like for me with exercise. It didn't solve it, but it created little gaps where I could then think, like, okay, hold on a minute. Is this a thought that I'm having real or is it my anxiety? And I had to learn to tell the difference between what was driven by anxiety or perhaps for other people, it's depression or stress and what thoughts were actually me talking. And then I learned to differentiate between my real voice and that other voice that was tricking me into feeling scared or anxious or overwhelmed.
0: I think it's great Shakira that you've been so open about talking about mental health and anxiety and even like your, your recent um, post about flying to the States and, Kind of tackling that anxiety that you, that you found flying. Um, but final question for you, Shakira, um, for other twin mums listening today um, who are feeling inspired by your words, but they can't see how on earth they could possibly focus on health and fitness when they're running around after twins. Um, <laughs> give us one tip on how to prioritise our, our own health and fitness.
2: I would say in the way that you love and nurture your children, if you can give that to yourself even a little bit, because like and and sometimes I find it really beneficial to think about my body as independent to me. Like I'll often think I don't have time to slow down, I don't have time to da da. Mm. But if you think about your body as something that's working for you, it's you know your most reliable, you know, assistant. It is helping you to care for your children, lift your children, feed your children, you know get your children from A to B, constantly, constantly working. And it's just got a battery source and it's just deplenishing. And now you're expecting it to run on no petrol in the tank, no energy. And you're just running it ragged and it will get sick, tired, hurt, injured. And actually like treating it with respect. Like, you know, allow it time to rest. Say, do you know what? I've got your back, you're gonna rest now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna feed you, here's some fuel. You know, I'm gonna allow you to, to de-stress. And then tomorrow you're going to be there, you're going to help me again. So trying to you know, respect your body, maybe in that way, could be a way of you seeing how much it does for you and how much you need to respect this incredible machine and, and resource that we have.
1: Yeah, that's that's a brilliant way of thinking about it. I'm going to consider myself an assistant. <laughs> How am I going to look after my assistant? I <laughs> think it's it's interesting though, isn't it? Because I feel
0: like what you've just said is essentially you're saying look after yourself in the same way that you look after your kids. Mm. And so often we don't do that. And in fact, Jenna and I spoke to Susie Redding over on on our Instagram a while back, and she said to us give yourself a pet name and so you know we do that we do that for our kids we call them honey or babe or whatever it is and it's a really lovely way of that person knowing that they're loved and being looked after so by giving yourself a pet name you know you're giving you're giving yourself that message and it kind of boils down to the same thing that you've just said Shakira in terms of show yourself the same love and respect that you show your kids Yeah.
2: yeah exactly yeah Absolutely. I'm trying to
1: remember what my name was. I think my name might have been Honey Bun. (laughs) Honey Bun? I can't remember. (laughs) That's all called Jenna Honey Bun from now on. Yeah, I don't know where I've got that from. Oh. Well, Shakira, it's been amazing speaking to you. Thank you so, so much for your time today. Um, where would you say is the best place for people to find out more about you online?
2: Yes, you can either find me on social media at Shakira.Akabusi or you can search Strong Like Mum and then my website is stronglikemum.com. So, and mum spelled the English way, M U N.
0: Thank you so much, Shakira. It's all great to chat to you.
2: Thanks for having me.